took a lot and like when we first opened honestly we didn't know what we were doing like we we knew how to serve people and all that sort of stuff but we um we tried to do a lot of what everyone else was doing and then it wasn't until we sort of refined what we did and just like in terms of menu and that sort of stuff in terms it wasn't until we refined it and looked at it and be like this is what we do this is what we do well we do that well and you know we'll be successful it wasn't until we done that yeah that thing started to turn in the right direction for us Welcome to A Table for Two, inspiring and educational interviews and stories with the best operators, owners and entrepreneurs in business and the hospitality industry. My name is Phil Halani and on today's episode, we chat to Josh Khoury, co-owner of The Rusty Rabbit. Josh was only 19 when him and his brother decided to take over a cafe in Darlinghurst. With limited experience in running cafes, the brothers received full support from their parents to take the risk, letting them know they had their full support no matter what happened. Although there were plenty of struggles over the next six months, the brothers persisted and created one of Sydney's best-known hospitality brands. It's amazing to see the growth they have had over the last six years, opening four successful cafes and doing it all before the age of 25. All right, Josh, thanks for joining us. No worries. Good it's, to be here. It's, um, we've, been, I've been following your journey for a long time now, so it's really yeah. cool to kind of um, talk to you a little bit more about going depth and talk about your business. But um, let's, let's get the story of how you started in hospitality. I, um, I started actually working at a restaurant in La Piazza in Bankstown Sports Club when I was 15, just on the weekends like while I was at school and that sort of stuff. Um, my brother was working there at the time, so they needed a bit of a hand, so I just jumped in. And then the first few weeks, I was literally just in the back, polishing cutlery, wiping plates, doing all that sort of stuff. Like the manager, Aggie, back then, who, who now manages our build store, um, oh wow, how's yeah, that for? Yeah, it's mad. So she's done the, the full U-turn and sort of come back and she's um, helping us out now, which is great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so she was like, oh, just, you know, polish the cutlery and do all that sort of stuff. Um, so for the first like few weekends, I was just doing that and I didn't know anything. I was just this little shy 15-year-old boy. Wow. And then one, one Saturday night, I think it was, it was really busy and she came in the back. She's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm polishing the plates. <laughs> like, I didn't know what else I had to do. Yeah. Sort of thing. She was like, get on the floor, run the food. <laughs> so that's where it all sort of began. And yeah, I was there for a few years up until um, I took a cafe job at uh, Barbara Scotty working for oh, yeah. Joey and Amir. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, cool. um, so I was working there at, at the cafe there for about nine months. Um, that's where I sort of learned a lot of the, the cafe trade. Um, yeah. I think Joey sort of helped me a lot, taught me a lot. Like, it's very big difference, the transition from a restaurant. Yeah. It's more, you know, to a cafe, like the pace of things, um, all those little sales, all that, like, you know, he taught me a lot about um, all the little things that make a big difference towards the end of day, yeah. you know what I mean? For so. Sure. Yeah, like jo- all the upselling and like you know all that sort of stuff. The crazy thing about Joey was I before I knew him, I you know I'd go there as a customer because everyone yeah. knew that cafe. Yeah, yeah. And just the hospitality was unbelievable. So even if they were trying to upsell, you didn't feel like an upsell. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And it was it was it's an amazing place to learn, yeah. get a bit of apprenticeship. He, he sort of like he instilled experience. You know what I mean? Like customer service and experience is what people sort of come back for. Hundred percent. Um. So yeah, I was there for a little bit and then. Uh, the opportunity to open up our first cafe came up. We found a venue, actually, my, my brother and my dad saw it on the news. It was a shop that was closed down for a racist, um, a racist owner made some remarks and it blew up on the media and it was, this was back in 2014. Um, and then I think my brother and my dad went down there and they spoke to the owner and they're like, you know, we, we'll buy the business off you. Um, and then the guy was like, no, nah, I'm not selling, la, la, la. And then we, a month went by, the place was still closed. And then he sort of reached out to Gosh. us and he's like, you know, we'll sell. And then we just made a really low-ball offer. And then Took it. one thing led to another. And, yeah, we just went from there. So so what was it at any point before your brother approached you about, because you went partners with your brother in that yeah, business, before yeah, yeah. that point, was hospitality going to be a career or not? Not really. Like, for, for me, like, at that time, I was training... Um, with the Rabbitohs in the under 20s and football was my main focus as a you know 17 18 year old boy wanting to make first grade and all that sort of stuff that was my main focus but then I was loving the cafe industry so much and being around people and I sort of like I'd go to training in the morning go work 
all day at the cafe, go back to training at night, and that was my life, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was sort of loving that side of things just as much as I was um, loving football. Yeah. And at the time when the opportunity came up, um, I'd broken my thumb, and I was sort of like, I'm in an R-ing where I wanted to continue playing and that sort of stuff, and then it came up, and then I was just like, yeah, let's do it. Like, we're both still living at home. What's the worst that's going to yeah, happen, you know what I mean? Like, so how old were you when the opportunity came up for your first sight? Uh, 19. I was 19, wow. I think my brother James Ray was 20, so... Is yeah. it, I mean, at that age, and we're going to talk more about the whole journey and we're going to talk about that shot, but at that age, do you think if you knew what you knew now that you would have taken the plunge? Oh, I don't know. It's <laughs> one of those things where I think my parents had a big, big... Um, they sort of just backed us. Yeah. They were... They just convinced us to, you know, take take the opportunity. The opportunity's there. Take it. Like, we've got you sort of thing. Yeah. Like, if it, if it works out, great, amazing. You know what I mean? If it doesn't, you, you still live under our roof. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. Money's money at the end of the day. And Dad was like, just take take the plunge. We'll support you. You know what I mean? Like, you guys can do this. You, you've been doing it for, you know, four or five years now. Like You've been working in cafes and yeah, restaurants. Yeah, like just, you know, do it for yourself and give it a go and That's see what good. happens. How good is that support, having that support from the family? Yeah, right? I was massive, you know what I mean? Like I, I can't thank my parents enough for yeah. everything they've done for us, like helping us out and, you know, mum does a lot of our back-end stuff. She does our wages. She does all our little running around. So she good. still makes stuff at home. Dad did a lot of the fit-outs and that sort of stuff as well. So, you know, they've always helped us out where they can. Yeah, having that support and it's, it's you know, obviously both Lebanese background and... Yeah. and take the business out of it, the support's always there. They just, they're just they so proud of us and they want us to keep yeah. doing it. So to have that support saying, hey, look, go hard if it doesn't work out. Yeah. You know, like and you not, said. Like not only that, like there was probably at the six-month uh, six point where we were like, fuck, this is, you know, it's not going anywhere. We're not making any money, you know, this yeah. and that. And they were just like, nah, stick with it. You know what I mean? Like you can make it work, you can make it work, you can make it work. And then... You know, everything just sort of turned around right from there. Yeah, so. four, four shops later, here yeah. we are. So, so let's talk about the first shop. So your brother yeah. sees the site, him, you, you and your dad. I actually, I, I know before the story, the, the story yeah. about um, he wouldn't hire, he wouldn't hire someone because yeah. of the skin of the colour. Yeah, yeah, and then um, colour of the skin, not skin of the colour. And then, um, <laughs> and then the story just blew up. It went yeah. worldwide. Yeah, it was crazy. And then obviously from that, he just lost everything, right? Yeah, it, the, the shop was closed down and... You know, when we when we rocked up, there was like eggshells on the windows, and like Shit. it was, yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, wow. Um, and then, yeah, so once we sort of, you know, agreed to take over, oh God, to be honest, I can't remember how long the time was between when we sort of went in there and we're mm. like, all right, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, but before that point, though, did you think that having a business that had such a bad image from that previous owner was going to affect you guys? Uh, we. I don't even think we even really thought about that at the time. We yeah. just thought like, we can turn this around sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but, it, like, it did. Because when we did open, people were like, oh, you know, it's the same owner that you just hired these young kids to sort of take uh, over. Okay. So we had to, like, really... Like, we rebranded, obviously. It wasn't called the Rusty Rabbit before then. We, like, rebranded it, started this whole new thing, did a new fit out, tidied yeah. it up a little bit, did put our little touch on it. But then even still, people just thought that we worked for someone because we were young yeah, kids yeah. at the time, you know what I mean? Like, I was a baby, like, 19, you know what I mean? People Crazy. thought that we just worked for him still and it sort of took a while for people to come back in and that that image and that um, story lingered around for a very long time. Yeah, I think I think the to build that loyalty up and we yeah. spoke about community, to build that up, like, they needed to trust you guys before yeah. you come yeah, back. Yeah, so. and it, it took a lot and, like... When we first opened, honestly, we didn't know what we were doing. Like, we we knew how to serve people and all that sort of stuff, but we um, we tried to do a lot of what everyone else was doing, yeah. and then it wasn't until we sort of refined what we did and just, like, in terms of menu and that sort of stuff, in terms of, it wasn't until we refined it and looked at it and be like, this is what we do, this is what we do well, we do that well, and, you know, we'll be successful. It wasn't until we done that. Yeah that thing started to turn in the right direction for us. And that's, I think this, I want to focus the next 10 minutes on this part of the conversation about, because yeah. that's what happens. You, you guys have been in hospitality four or five years at this point. You've served people. You've worked with amazing people like Joey and you've learned yeah. some amazing, valuable lessons. But the idea of getting, in, working in a hospitality shop to own your own shop. Yeah, so oh, talk, it's a whole different piece. So talk to me. So you, let's just talk about the process from you guys get in, you're renovating the shop and then opening. Talk to us about that process. Yeah, so we, 
like there, in terms of renovation, there wasn't too much to do. There was more or less just um, bit, more or less tidying things up, um, bit of bit of timber work, and you know soundproofing, just to in like we wanted to make it really homey, the environment, um, and then we had to set it all up, you know, the brand, who we are, what we do, all that sort of stuff, create the menu. And we didn't have a chef at the time, so we were like, we're doing all that sort of stuff ourselves. Mum was helping us out yeah. with a few of that sort of stuff. Dad was doing the fit out at the front. Um, and then the name and the branding and everything sort of little thing just came out of my brother's head. I don't know how, but... Very like, catchy, very Yeah, cool. Rusty sort of just came from when we rocked up to the place. Like, it's an old sandstone building. I don't know if you've seen it, but Beautiful it's an old building. sandstone building. Yeah, yeah. Really rusty, really raw, and that's where Rusty came from. And my brother does all our graphic work and all that sort of stuff so i i think one night he just messaged me saying rusty rabbit with a question mark and i was like yep sounds good <laughs> the next morning we woke up and he's making this rabbit figure on illustrator that at one point looked like a dog and then it turned into a <laughs> rabbit and then and then he popped an ear down put a mustache on it and gave it that like quirky fun like cool. character look about it yeah and then we're like yeah that's cool let's run with that and then yeah and, and so I mean, I know I've mentioned this so many times on the podcast, and it's never the podcast is never about me. But I always remember the first couple of months and how hard it was, and I was yeah. like, "This is never going to end. This is the hardest thing of my life." Yeah, is that what it felt like for you? Oh yeah, that the first. I remember the first week, like that first day. We we're there till like seven o'clock trying to work out how to close up and do all the ordering because we we're doing it all ourselves. Yeah. Like you know, we had a kitchen hand who's now our head chef at Darlo, who's been with us since day one. There, that's cool. That. Could barely speak English, you know, he didn't really know what he was doing, fresh from Bali, trying to teach him how to do things, trying to learn things, how to do things for ourselves, you know, getting up, going back in every morning, like, what are we doing? And when you open, you know what it's like when you open a new venue, everyone comes in to try it for the first time and it's a bit over. Everyone wants to come in. I remember yeah. pouring my first glass of water and taking out my first coffee and literally shaking, like, Shit. you know what I mean? So, wow. yeah, and then you sort of started just falling into a routine you know, slowly, slowly you get there. We had like a bit of support from a few of our cousins who worked in the industry as well would help us out here and there. So that obviously helped. And then, yeah, once we sort of started rolling, finding the right staff and, yeah, just took it from there. Yeah, that, that initial period was like, when did you find, you started to find your feet? You're like, hey, we're good at this, we can do this. Like, what, what period was oh, that? Oh, honestly, it took about six months at least. Yeah, wow. it took us a while because I think once we found, we found a really good chef who sort of, um, he changed and streamline the way we do things. Food was taking too long to come out. There was too many things on the menu, stuff that took too long to cook. It was too fancy, mm. too many elements. Like, it's stuff that, it, like, when we've never worked in a kitchen before, we never even thought of these sort of things in terms of processes and systems. Yeah. Idea, and once, the theory versus practice. Right? Yeah, like, there was, there was meals that just took way too long to come out and, you know, it was in, impacting what we did at the front. So once we, once he sort of came on board, streamlined the menu a little bit, simplified things that helped us it took because it took a load off us yeah. at the front of house you know what i mean so um yeah i think about the six six month point where we sort of started to streamline things and then we started to notice you know people coming back and we were a lot more comfortable yeah. in what we do because we we're like this is what we're going to focus on this is what we're going to do like provide great service and that's probably something that my brother has been, you know, there's a reason why he's the face of that place down there because people go in, they want to see him, see him you know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's the guy. 100%. He's the guy at the door who's hosting every weekend. Like, so, so yeah, once we sort of started to build that, you know, trust with our customers, that's when we sort of started to take off from there. Feel a bit more comfortable. And yeah. So, so talking about your brother, what are your roles? So he's obviously front of house with that shop, but obviously you yeah. have you own four shops and you have different partners, but... What, were you, what are your roles in the week? Now? Yeah. So, he doesn't really do much, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, at the moment, now it's hard. Because of the staffing, at the moment, we're, we're working a lot more in the business as opposed to on the business than, than what we sort of want to be. Yeah. Um, like, when we open up these, the new stores, especially, like, the last two, our, our mindset was to step away from the stores and focus on the brand and the business itself to continue building and everything. And then with COVID and everything, it sort of changed that mindset where like for us, Darling Us, that's our, that's our baby. So we, we still work in that now four or five days a week each. Okay. 
he runs mostly the front of house, so he'll do like all the rostering and that sort of stuff. Um, when it comes to negotiating with rents and deals and all that sort of stuff, he does all that. I look after the marketing and the behind the scenes operations of things. Um, I'm more of that guy that floats around between the stores, making sure or trying to make sure everyone's doing the same thing, yeah. which is probably the biggest challenge at the moment. Um, and yeah, so he, like he'll do all our graphic side of things, and um, he's he's the guy that I'll go to with an idea, and then he'll just evolve that idea into something that's you know I'll be like oh you know we should look at doing something like this, and you know and then come like menu development as well. He loves eating out and going different places and that, and then he'll be like, oh, we should try this, or we yeah. should try this, and then putting things together on a plate, he can make it taste great and whatever, and then I'll look at the plating, because the social media side of things have got to make it look good, it's got to have an element that people are like, oh, that looks mad, and yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Your, your, your branding, um, your graphics, your social media is unbelievable, right? And I think it's, it really reflects who you guys are. It's, I, yeah. I feel like it's... it's a business you're proud of and that who you a cafe you would go to if you were a customer right? yeah well, we, we try to make it personal yeah. like it's it's a reflection of us like you said mm. how important is social media in the like in essentially the stay relevant in the industry oh it's massive and it's like it's a big challenge as well because like you said you, you have to stay relevant but at the same time it's it's not i don't think it's the be on end all like some of our venues rely on it heavier than others yeah like i find for example Dialing us, we can go quiet on social media there for a while and it probably won't affect as much as it probably would in build. I feel like we get a lot more reaction and response from um, social media, for example, like specials and, yeah. you know, to, to the build, build store and the Epping store where people are coming from like around the inner west area, yeah, going yeah. to that store for that dish. And more destination. More, yeah, it's more, you know, um, but it, it is huge, like especially now it's it's gone to a whole new level like you can promote anything and you know it's like if you build that right community through your social media and like have a good following and a strong yeah. following where people are engaging not just like oh i have twenty thousand followers or whatever it is like if your engagement's high and that sort of stuff it makes a big difference yeah i think the follow, great high follow is great but it's engagement, it's engagement right? yeah, so it comes down to engagement yeah for sure and i think it's a cool lesson because like you said, your Darlinghurst store, you don't really need the social media because you've got your community and you build yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But Burwood's more of a destination where people, you, you put a special on and then yeah. you get the attraction from there. Yeah, so. so they'll get like that more, oh, I want to go in and try that pancakes. They'll go to that store. But that's where we need to keep evolving and keep having yeah. new menu items and all that sort of stuff to keep dragging people in there. You know what I mean? How, how much pressure is it on you? Because you're obviously dealing with a lot of the, the branding and the marketing and yeah. just constantly trying to stay relevant. Like, is that really hard? It, yeah, it is. And to be honest, like, I only just the last month I've actually hired someone to sort of take a bit of the load off me. So now he does um, a bit of the content creation and that sort of stuff with the cool. reels and all that because because I'm working so much in the stores now, I don't have the time to yeah. do that sort of thing. And this guy sort of reached out to me and like, he's doing an amazing job. You know, he just brings a, a fresh sort of eyes to the brand, yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. So, I'll, and then like, he looks after the day-to-day -day Instagram, the posting and that sort of stuff now. So, and I find that for me, that sort of freed me up to do other things for the business, which is probably more like just as valuable, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you need, you need to be focusing on the business. Yeah. Said, like you said, instead of working. And now with the four stores, like it's not, as big of an expense as you know, like for like for someone with one store, you know yeah. what I mean. So because your menus obviously across the board, for yeah, same everything's menus. the same. So we try to make sure everything across all the stores is the same, yeah. and then each store has its own sort of specials where they can just do free reign whatever they want, as long as it's sort of within the style. Yeah, yeah. What, what um, you, you've obviously got uh, four shops and the social media is doing really well, but what's what's something you see on social media in businesses that people are doing really bad? Like something you see that's a bit cringeworthy or that they shouldn't be doing? You know you know how you see some yeah. businesses just trying to get a bit of attention? Uh, like a lot, a lot of places like boasting a lot about, yeah. you know, oh, we're so busy or, you know, this and that. And yeah. like I, I try not to do that. Like I, you know, like every now and then, like one of the staff will send me like a video of them like panning through the shop on a busy Saturday and that and... I'm going to post it because, you know, like I'm telling them, send me stuff, send me yeah, stuff, send me stuff. And and that's what they said. <laughs> I, I can't not post it. But like, you know, um, 
other than that, I, like, I try not to judge too much of what other people are doing. Yeah. Sort of just try to stick to what I do. And I more or less, I like to look at what other people do and think, oh, like... I like to look at what other people are doing great, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, of And course. sort of take a bit from, oh, these guys do that really well, you know? Is it very hard, like, to... You see something on social media, like, we want to we want to do what they're doing really well, but we want to put our own spin on it. Yeah. It's hard because you want to do, but you don't want to... We don't want to copy either because yeah. everyone wants to have their own stamp on it, right? Yeah, and it's not just hospitality, um, like, places I'm talking about. I, I look at stuff that, like, for example, real estate agents are doing, and, like, that industry has changed massively through yeah. social media. Um, so like I did a little like mic'd up series where I had a, my videographer who used to work with us at Darlinghurst, he does all of our, uh, like a lot of our social content, cool. all the videos and that, he was our barista at Darlinghurst for a year. Um, he followed me around for a day and we went shop to shop and he just shot everything as we were going, just as I was creating social media content from, from all the stores. So he just jumped in the car with me and we did a day there. Um, and then we did something with one of our managers at St Leonard's where we just went through like his day-to-day processes and what he does and just thought we'd try something a little bit different and see what people think and like that sort of stuff got a big reaction because it's genuine and it's real yeah like it's and it's it's different it's something that you know people like for example the St Leonard's store people go in and they they associate that store with Hendra like the the manager there yeah so I wanted to capitalize on that on, on him being there and show them more about him, yeah. you know, so they can learn more about him. He talks about where he's from, how long he's been with us, where he started, the opportunity. Yeah, and sure. it's all, like, it's all quite genuine, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't tell him, say this, this and this. It's just the cameraman's asking him questions, like, how did you start with us? Yeah. And, like, where did you come from? Tell us a bit about your you know, upbringing, that sort of stuff. And, you know... Everyone from St. Leonard's that comes in and loves him and, you know, they all shared it and it creates that more community environment, you know what I mean? That's really cool. And I think, I think the fact that you've, you've looked outside of cafes and hospitality to see how can we do things differently and I think that's such a valuable lesson yeah. to do that because if you're, not, if you're constantly just looking at the hospitality industry, it's going to be the same as everyone else, yeah. right? So, so talking about growing and, and doing things differently, you guys went from one store to four store pretty quickly. Your first store was 2015, is that? So we opened, yeah, end of 2014, I think 14. it was November 2014. Yeah. And then uh, two years later, we opened up in Burwood, and that was with our cousin Peter, yeah. who I think after about, after about a year, he sort of um, joined us. Like, that's when we sort of found the site in Burwood and we're like, listen, Burwood for us is home. Like, that's where our family is. That's where we grew up. So for us, like, to bring our brand back home, like, it was huge. Special. It was a mad opportunity. So we, he sort of was like, yeah, I'm keen. Let's do it. He joined us at um, Darlinghurst and started working with us full time to learn how we do things and help us out, take a bit of a load off us as well as we were building Build and setting that up and everything. And then once Build opened, I think in February, it would have been 2016 maybe, something like that, he moved there full time. I jumped in with him there full time to sort of get it up off the ground and that, like, that for us was huge. Like, when we opened there, we were so busy, like, we... Didn't expect it to be that busy to start off with. It just took off straight away. And then it just sort of, you know, held, which was really good. And then um, I sort of just started floating between the two. I'd do like one or two days at Darlow, a couple of days at Burwood, which was mad. Like, I love that lifestyle, that, you know, meeting new people as well and all that sort of stuff. But being versatile and be able to move between the two was mad for me like i'd love not being in the one place all the time like five days a week just standing behind a machine or you know so that was cool that was really good and then then we started just working on the brand itself like just between the two um did you have when you opened the second store did you have intentions to say hey let's grow this into a massive brand or what at the moment it was just like let's just open a second one no it was just let's just open a second one back home to be honest the the intention was probably to open up in Burwood. First. Get that up, no, get that up and running, and then um, sell the Darlinghurst one, and then just all of us move to oh, build. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was, I think, pretty sure that was like a bit of the intention back then. But then Burwood started doing really well, social media started taking off, Darlinghurst started doing really well as well. And it was like, 
it was working, you know, yeah, the two of them yeah. together. So how hard was it managing going from one store being in the store working to taking to managing two? To be honest, it wasn't um, it wasn't too hard because we had a really good team at the okay. time. Like we had a really good manager in Darlinghurst. We had a really good team in the kitchen. Um, we like Peter was running build great we didn't have to worry too much about what he was doing there that was his baby he was sort of looking after that James was looking after the day-to-day at Darlinghurst I was bouncing around between the two Um, uh, Brandon joined us at Burwood as well who's been with us since I'm pretty sure since we opened so he started um, working with us at Darlinghurst just before we opened Burwood same sort of thing trained there learn how we do things so when we opened up at Burwood it was full steam ahead and we've had those same core group of staff there for five, six years now for however long we've been wow. open. So, yeah, like it's a credit to the boys that we've had working for us because without our team and like those guys, we, we wouldn't have been able to, mm. you know, take a step back and do that sort of thing. But so, I guess you guys leaving the culture, it starts from the top, right? So yeah, yeah, the ability course. that you and your brother are there and making sure that everyone's happy and the team's happy, then it usually is a domino effect. So. Yeah. What, so you go from two stores, they're both doing really well. Yep. Um, and then obviously you want to grow. Yep. Um, and we were talking a bit earlier about, you know, you, they're supposed to be a year apart, but they really end up being, I think, a month apart or a couple of weeks apart. Yeah, so the opportunity for Epping came up oh, after a few years. Um, and then we, we sort of, like, it was a heritage building, so we sort of signed for it. It was amazing. It was getting the... It was, it's underneath an apartment building, so... We were just waiting for that to all finish and then COVID hit, I think, the first year maybe. And then the construction got delayed and then an opportunity for St Leonard's came up as well and that was like a great opportunity. It's underneath thousands of apartments and the whole new side of St Leonard's that's just been rezoned for apartments. Yeah. And we're talking like high-end Mervac landmark apartments. Um so we signed for that one as well and we sort of took both of them at the time thinking yeah we're invincible we can (laughs) you know we can make anything work um and then and then yeah like one one got delayed and one sort of got pushed forward we we um we got a partner in each store so we sort of set up a franchise um model where it's more of a partnership model so one of one of my best mates is looking after um the St Leonard's one and then one of my cousins is looking after the uh, Epping one. And they get a cut of each business. And then, yeah, so they own like half of the business. Yep. And then we own, like me, James, Peter, our company own the other half of the business okay, sort cool. of thing. Yeah. So we support them and, you know, get up and running and help them out. And like, for example, Brandon, who runs the Epping one, he worked for us for two years at Darlinghurst. Did his sort of learning and apprenticeship, as you'd say there. Yeah. And then when he moved him across to Epping. It was just like a smooth transition. He already knows how we do things, so that obviously helps. Um, And then, yeah, they sort of just ended up running into each other and in 2021, I think it was, they opened a week apart from each other. But that week, like, it was it was wild. We're like setting up one shop, driving across to the other shop, trying to set that up, wow. getting stuff for here, getting stuff for there, finishing up construction, trying to get the final approvals, and trying to train staff. We had our Darlinghurst store had like ten staff at one time, just people just training there, getting ready and waiting to work at wow. the other ones, and it was just like it was it was organised chaos, but we sort of made it work, and then yeah, it was it was wild wild times and then next thing you know COVID hits again it's again (laughs) so I mean what 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 kind of lessons did you learn during that period where you've got four shops now even though two of them are kind of essentially they've got their own partnerships but you still it's still your brand it's still your pressure on you to to do well what kind of lessons did you learn during that period the the hardest thing is finding that consistency um and getting trying to trying to duplicate the the environment in a, in a way, you know, in the atmosphere, um, that service. It helps that we have the people that we had in place, they came from our two original stores. So all the yeah, staff okay. did their training and everything at our two original stores so they knew how we do things and what our expectations are so that when we did open up the new stores, it was, it was much easier than doing it with 
brand new staff. Yeah. You know so I mean? and that's a great way to do it. They got it's like in the McDonald's system where yeah, you do your training to, at the you know the headquarters sort yeah. of thing, and then go from there. Yeah. But like it's it was hard because we it ended up putting a lot of pressure on our managers at our Darlinghurst store and our managers at our build store who had to sort of you know pick up when we weren't there. Which yeah. but they did a great job in saying that. You know what I mean? But it, it did put a lot of pressure on sure. those places and on us because we were trying to manage our existing stores and making sure nothing drops off there, but at the same time build these new ones and put all our energy into them to get them off yeah. the ground. Yeah, I think that's, so that's the biggest fear. It's a fine line. Fine it's a very line. fine it really line. Is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you, is there been a period during these four stores, because you obviously got a coffee cart as well that you do events and yeah. things like that, but has there been a period where you've had these four shops in the, um, in the coffee cart where you've kind of felt like, it's too much. Too much. Yeah, ready to give no. up. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> talk, talk, like, what, what is it now? Why now? The, it's hard because, because of the staffing yeah. at the moment. Um, it's very hard. You, you can't be everywhere. I, like, I'm the guy that gets the phone call and it's like, oh, we need you here. Or can you come help us out here? A chef caught in sick. Or, you know, could, like I can sort of do everything. I've sort of trained myself to jump in the kitchen when need be to, you know, look after the floor, whatever needs to be done, I'm sort of that fill-in guy or I'm sending one of my guys at Darlinghurst across over there, then I've got a fill-in for him and, you know, it's just, it is getting a bit out of hand at the moment yeah. with the staffing and then you get people inquiring about coffee cart events, which I run myself and it's like, I've turned down more events than I've actually taken on just because no people. Uh, I, I just can't do it, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's hard, like I had one yesterday, um, I had a kitchen tea yesterday I, the kitchen tea was at 1.30, I had to go into Darlow, open, work till 12.30, left, jumped in the car, drove over to breakfast point, did the car there all afternoon, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit, like, full on, you know what I mean? What, what impact does that have on mental health? Like, obviously, everyone that, you know, obviously, you, people on the outside look and think you live the best life. Yeah. You're living it up, <laughs> you're happy, like, I mean, your energy is unbelievable, but it's like, I think people don't see this, this, the other side, the darker side, right? Yeah. What impact has that had on your mental health? Oh, it's hard. Like, there's been times where, you know, you're, you're, you're struggling. Not, not so much struggling with, like, in, like, people struggle a lot worse than, you know, what I probably did at our, you know, like, when we're not nice. doing well yeah. and that sort of stuff. But it's, yeah, it takes, it takes a big toll, you know what I mean? Like, you're exhausted, you're tired, you just got to push through. I'm lucky I've got a good sort of backing from family my wife's great she's a great support she helps out when she needs to as well so um it is a bit full-on and at times you're just like god please don't call me like just leave, <laughs> leave me alone but um no it's it's one of those things like there's there's a lot of us so like for example today someone called in sick last night i just rang my brother i was like bro please just <laughs> i need the day off yeah, you know what i mean like sure. just let me have the day and then i'll sort out the next day so like there's a lot of us we 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 support each other pretty well and i think that helps you know what i mean so mm. yeah it's not too bad so obviously with that like you got four shops and the coffee card and you're obviously turning down events because you haven't got the staff we spoke a little bit before off air is it a matter now of just improving these systems and procedures trying to build your teams back up before you even think about any more growth? Yeah, yeah, for us now it's focus on what we have, build them, keep growing them, and then we'll go from there. You know, and reevaluate. Yeah. Um, you know, like I just got married recently, probably want to start a family soon. My cousin, business partner, just had a baby. My brother's getting married in January. So like there's a lot of personal stuff that's going on. Yeah. So we sort of have to take a little bit of a backward step in, certain, in terms of expansion mm. and just focus on what we have and how we can do it better. You know, because there is, you're never good enough. You know, and there's always more you can do. For sure, yeah. Um, so yeah, for us, it's just you know focus on what we've got and keep building that and yeah, yeah. take it from there. Before we talk about systems, I know we mentioned your age before, but yeah. I think the maturity you have and the and the composure you have and the energy level, it's just it blows me away that you're only 26. Yeah. You have four shops. Where, where did this maturity come from? Was it something where you had to learn as you went because you had four shops or has it just been the way you've grown up? Like, wh where I, does it come from? I think it's I think it's a mixture of both, sort of just the way I've grown up and, you know, working in hospitality from a young age in a high-end, not so much a high-end, but a very well-known, established restaurant with, you know, senior staff sort of taught me a lot. Um, Mario and Aggie at La Piazza 
taught me a lot there and that sort of matured me from a younger age and then getting sort of thrown into the deep end at a young age and having to run my own business and learn everything as I've sort of gone on has matured me naturally. Yeah. Um, you know, like when I was younger, I'd never go out and party, or I wouldn't say never, but not as much as, you know, like I probably would have wanted to because I'd have to get up on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning at 7am to get to the shop to open up and all that sort of thing. So it's sort of, um, yeah, like I, I just sort of naturally matured, I think, having to run my own business from such a young age. Yeah. So and, and, and I think I said it to you earlier where it's, it's not impressive... Like, it's impressive that you, what you've achieved. Forget your age. And I think the fact that you are 26 on top of everything is just yeah. very special. So you should be very proud of that. Thank it's, you. It's really, really cool. So actually, when I was trying to do a bit of research, I'm looking, I'm like, he's only 26. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's really good. Um, talk to us about, like, the systems and procedures with four shops. Yeah. How important has that been to get that right for, for the consistency of your brand? To be honest, that's the hardest thing. That's the biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, in terms of front of house systems and procedures, that's fairly easy because we have that senior person in charge who just sort of pulls that down to everyone else you know what I mean but it's it's the the back of house the the kitchen and that sort of stuff the consistency with the food making sure everyone's doing the same thing serving the same way you know what I mean yeah. service and all that you can train and our managers do a great job of that but with the turnover of kitchen staff recently and you know a lot of our guys Travelling back home, haven't been able to see their family for the last three years. So at the moment, our head chef in Darlinghurst has gone back to Bali. His cousin, our head chef in Salerno, has gone back wow. to Bali for like a couple of months. So finding that sort of balance of let's just get through the next few months, you know what I mean? Like putting out fires, that, yeah, and, so. and like just trying to be consistent, making sure the new guys that are coming in are doing the same thing. Yep. Um, that's the biggest challenge. Uh, introducing new menu items and like we spoke about that before that's probably one of the hardest things like now moving forward we want to look at doing a new menu um, just as we're getting into the colder months into winter but instead of just you know like doing it at one store you've got to do it and train it across all of them it's a lot harder you know what yeah. I mean? it takes weeks not a day to change something so that, that's again it goes back to staffing right yeah. so so a lot of people a lot of times people ask me like when, when i've spoken to someone that's been in the industry that has multiple shops what's the advice you give to someone that's that's got one or two that wants to expand what kind of advice would you give them make sure you've got a strong team behind you yeah like we, our manager at darlingers and Bird have been with us for five years like they they run that ship and that sort of frees us up to do other things and you know what I mean so I think without like without a strong team and a strong backing behind you it's very hard to do those sort of things yeah um and they know the standards so when we do bring in new staff they train them they do all that sort of stuff because they know our standards and our expectations which are fairly high so the people that you've trained essentially are mini versions of what who yeah. you are right so yeah. that's really cool and 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 how important is that culture within each business. I mean, you look at Darlinghurst again, it's an iconic site, it's an institute in Darlinghurst now, yeah. but that culture you've built, how important is that? Oh, it's huge, it's everything, because that's what people come in for, you mm. know what I mean? Like, you can get a good coffee or a good good brekkie anywhere, really, like, especially these days. Like, yeah. Darlinghurst, there's a cafe 50 metres up the road, there's one 50 metres down the road, there's one on every corner down there. Mm. People come in for that atmosphere and that environment and that good good service, you know what I mean? That, for that feeling when sure. they come in, that they're welcome and all that sort of stuff. So that's... That's what it comes down to for us in the end. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you, you're in business partners. Most of your partners, I assume that you've been involved with, are still with you. Yeah. I, I guess partnership's probably one of the hardest things outside of staffing and things like that. It's, you know, it doesn't matter if it's your brother, your parents, your best friend or a stranger. Yeah. Going partner business, business is hard. What Has it been challenges for you with partnerships? Yeah, yes and no. Like, the, the boys that we're in partnerships with, like, even my brother, my cousin... Um, Brandon and Anthony at St. Leonard's and Epping respectively, like we've known them for a very long time, all of them, and like sort of grown up together. Yeah. Um, it, it gets hard when things aren't going great, you know what I mean? Like making sure everyone's on the same page that you've got to stick to the process, you know what I mean? Like it's proven that it does work, we're going to get there. But when it comes, like there's certain things that it does come down to, like in terms of like buying stuff and, you know, like yeah. there's certain things where it's like, trust the process like it's we'll, we'll make it work we'll get there sort of thing but um yeah it, it does have its challenges especially when 
people are in different, like I said before, different stages of their lives as well. Sure. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it so has its moments, but overall we've been pretty good. Is it a matter of just resolving a situation, you know? Majority like, rules. <laughs> there you go, that's easy, right? Yeah. And so having that conversation, nipping in the butt, right? Like yeah. That's, but at the same time, it's communication as well. Yeah. Like, for example, I think we spoke earlier about when we changed coffee prices. We, so... We increased our coffee prices from three fifty for a regular to to four fifty. So th- sorry, we went from yeah three fifty to f- three fifty and four fifty to four five and six for yeah. regular large. Um, and that was a conversation where it's like, listen, we we think we should do this, and the others were like, we're new, the shops just opened, we don't want to lose customers by increasing prices by fifty cents, and it was just that back and forth of the reasons why we should do it, the reasons why we shouldn't do it, and then in the end we just sort of all came to the agreement that we'll do it, we'll take the leap and see what happens. And you know, Does that, I mean, because you're in business with friends and, and cousins and things like that, do you have something in the contract that you guys essentially have the final say or is it pretty chilled, pretty not casual? Not really. Like we're, yeah. we're pretty open to, you know, like we're not, you know, going to put franchise the book down. And, yeah, 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 so okay. it's sort of like a mutual agreement to to most of the things but going back would you have implemented a lot more kind of like majority again kind of like majority rules or this is the the company has a say or is Uh, it's hard i think i think if we were to do it like if like when we're setting up the proper franchise model and if we were franchising shops properly which is what we intended to do years ago before covid and everything we were going down that that path but with with these ones they're more or less like a partnership sort oh, of thing. Partnership. So, yeah. Yeah. so you've got to respect if, hey, yeah, we course. don't want to put the price up, all right, cool, yeah. let's have that conversation. Yeah, but when it comes down to um, branding and marketing and, you know, stuff like merchandise, apparel, all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. that's sort of where we, like my brother and myself, will do that and that's our thing and then they get a choice whether they want to okay, purchase cool. that for their stores or not you know what I mean yeah. so the merchandise is amazing like you guys have created this really cool brand from umbrellas yeah. socks uh, undies budgie smugglers whatever yeah. they are it's, 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 um, <laughs> it's good fun a lot of the stuff is stuff that we want for ourselves you know yeah. what I mean like we I love going into work in everything that we own and make and we've sort of like partnered with the right people and supply chains like we've been doing it for a while now yeah, you know what I mean course. so we've gone from just normal t-shirts with a rabbit on the front to full cut and sewn shirts that we're getting hundreds of with custom labels and all that sort of stuff that's really cool um, a lot of the stuff we're starting to source ourselves socks umbrellas beanies all that sort of stuff does it do well the merchandise side of things? yeah it does. Cool, it does it does a lot more than what people really yeah it's, really, it's cool. really good and for us it's not to make money off everything that we sort of make from the merchandise goes back into more stuff, goes yeah. back into the brand, goes back into marketing. So it's it's more like we put a very small margin on all that sort of stuff and it's only sort of just... Because for us, we want people to wear it. You know brand I mean? awareness, It's right? brand awareness. That's yeah. all it comes down to. But like we're not... You know, selling jumpers for $150, we're selling them for like literally $15, $20 more than what we're paying yeah, for. Yeah. Socks, we're making a small amount on, you know... Yeah, I think, I think um, that brand awareness, you see people drive, walking around with an umbrella. Or it's yeah, special, it's mad. Right? Like, I get people send me photos of someone walking around in, you know, doing the bay run with a Rusty Rabbit jumper on. That's or sick. someone in overseas in London with a yeah. jumper on or a shirt on. I don't know like, if you've seen my story today. I had, um, my mates were in New York and they took the fish fish shirt. Oh, so no way. In New York. I was <laughs> so mad. proud. That's right? the best. Like, it's <laughs> awesome. And we get customers, like, because our Darlinger store especially gets a lot of international, or used to get a lot of international tourism that stay on the sort of outskirts of the city. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, especially during summer, Mardi Gras, all that sort of stuff. So we get a lot of people come from overseas. And like you do, when you go overseas, you always grab something from the local place to take back with you, you know what I mean? So a lot of that stuff, like we always get photos from all over the world sent to us, like, you know, guys wearing a singlet in Dubai, guys, you know, all over the world. So Yeah, the the Mardi Gras time that weekend is just crazy for you guys, darling. That's that's like our Christmas, man. Really? Yeah. That's, and for us, it's fun. It's so much fun. Like, we love that. Like, it's the best time of the year for us. That's that bad. that two-week period, like, the week leading into it and the week after, it's it's crazy. Like, we yeah. just... That's our... Like, we look forward... That's marked on the calendar from... Ready, you plan yeah. early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. mad. And, and with your brand, like, obviously, you guys are young and, and having a lot of fun with it. Is the brand evolving as you guys are getting, as you guys are getting older or is it kind of like you're finding, like you said, finding different people with social media perspectives with that can come in and freshen it up? 
Yeah, like it's a bit of both. Like it is evolving as we as we do as well. Yeah. But at the same time, like I said, we sort of social media is evolving. Like the world's evolving. It's going like from when we first started to now. You used to not even be able to upload a video on Instagram. That's right. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now there's these reels and TikTok, and I don't know how to use TikTok. Like I don't. <laughs> I can't keep it's up. bad, eh? You know we're old when we can't. I got a twelve-year-old sister-in-law who can do that sort of stuff, but I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. So that's why I like if there's people that can do something better than you, let them do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't try to do everything. If someone can do it better than you, let them do it. So, so really when like. he sort of approached me, I've seen the work that he's done for other cafes and that sort of stuff, and I was like, you know what? You're on. Like let's let's do it, sort of thing. That's really cool. So it's good. And so with your four stores, um, obviously you get a bit of better buying power. You, yeah. can, you can custom cups, you obviously can buy yeah. more and things like that. I mean, how hard has it been to manage? The standard is usually say 30, 35% wage costs, yeah. 30, 35%, 25-30% food costs. Yeah. Has it been hard to maintain those levels? Yeah, like yes and no. Like I think I think because the two new stores are new, they're very very volatile, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like the St. Leonard's one's only just now, like this last probably three or four months starting to have, find that consistency and they're starting to do really well and then they know how many staff they need on. So they've yeah. sort of found that perfect balance between how much staff they need on to do the numbers to pull, you know, get that wage cost down to 30, 35%, yeah. you know what I mean? Whereas like our Darlinger store, it covers my wage and my brother's wage if we're not in there and we're working at the other stores and, you know, taking some time off or doing whatever, that percentage can get up a little bit higher. Of course. You know what I mean? So, and then when it comes down to food costs, I think COVID helped heaps with making our team and our chefs especially aware of, like, putting... We, I think before before COVID, we never really looked at that, that figure, yeah. you know what I mean? That, like, really, really, like, nailed down the numbers and making sure that everything's there. Now we've got, like, spreadsheets where the chefs input everything every yeah. week, comes up, automated the percentage they're at. So they have sort of, like, a, a target, that 30%. They need to hit. Yeah. They need to hit. Anything over that, there's got to be some explanation, you know yeah. what I mean? But at the same time, like, it's, yeah, it's, it, it, it is a challenge, you know what I mean? Having that, having that balance of having a beautiful business where you're proud of, but also it's got to make money because yeah. otherwise you're not going to have a business. It's yeah, just finding yeah. that balance. And it's, it's a question I like to ask on every episode because I think it's important for anyone getting into the industry. is like, yeah. hey, you can have the most beautiful business, but if you're not making money, yeah. your business is going to yeah, get exactly. broke, right? So you can be pulling 40, 50K a week and making absolutely nothing. You yeah, know what I mean? Turnover doesn't or mean you can be turning out, like bringing in 20K a week and making more money. So Correct. Yeah, so finding that balance between, the both, yeah, between both, right? Sure. So how do, how do you, um, this is a fun question I like to ask, how do you deal with reviews? I, I don't know. Sort of, <laughs> don't you? Nah, I None of you? Ignore it. Really? I, I do, so I'll get the email and I'll get like the notification from Google My Business and I get it for all the stores. I don't think the other boys even, I don't, they're probably not even set up to really? look at it. They'll probably see it if they search it, but my, so when we first opened, I took everything to heart. I was like, I'd get so upset when we get a bad review and I'd be like, you know, blowing up at staff and you know, just like trying to make everything perfect. I was like a perfectionist. And then I came to realise that you're not going to please everyone. You know, you're going to please 90, 95% of people, but there's always going to be that 5% yeah. that aren't going to have the best experience or are going to have, you know, burnt toast or a hard poached egg. And, you know, for those people who are going to complain, that's that's on them, you know what I mean? Like, you can only do so much, you can only control so much. Yeah. Um, I do see stuff sometimes where it is in our control and a lot of the time I'll see it, I'll screenshot the review, I'll send it to that store manager and I'll just say, deal with it. You know what I mean? Not so much, I'm not sending it to them to say like, oh, what's going on here or whatever because I, like, I, can't, I can't be on top of everything like that all for the sure. time. That's yeah. got to be their responsibility. Totally, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, for example, if someone's waited 20 minutes for a wrap or they've made a bad review that they got the wrong meal or something like that, I'll just send it to them yeah. just to make them aware of it because I'm not sure if they've seen it or not. That way they can speak to their team or they could turn around to me and be like, oh my God, you don't understand what happened. And they'll explain the situation there's to me. Reason, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like there's a lot of the times there is a reason behind it and it's like it, it's blown way out of proportion. For sure. But yeah. I found, especially the last few years, it's people aren't doing it as much anymore as that what they used to. Calm down a bit more. Yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. people like if if someone has a problem, usually they'll message me or they'll call me. 
or message us on Instagram and then I can fix it up. You know what I mean? Because it does happen. Like, even stuff like Uber Eats, like, yeah. they get the wrong meal. It happens, man. Like, when you're doing 40, 50, 60 orders, you know, a day on Uber, like, a box is bound to go in the wrong bag somewhere. Sure. Like, there's only, yeah. so, there's only so much perfection you can, you know, do. Or a coffee misses out in a bag and something. But, you know, there's only so much yeah. you can do. Yeah, I think, I think I'm still struggling with that, not taking it personal kind of thing. But yeah. at the end of the day, if the customer or the guest isn't, directly reaching out at the time or through MSN or uh, through Messenger or yeah. um, Instagram DMs, I think it's, they don't care. They just want to yeah, give yeah. the two cents, yeah. and, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. Finding yeah. Like, we don't, we don't exercise it. We don't give them the, you know, like if someone generally has a problem, they'll email or message or speak to us then and there and I respect that. I prefer that. I want yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like if something's forgotten, for example, my pet hate is when we bring a plate out to a customer and it's missing a certain element. For example, they ordered eggs on toast with this, this, and this, and it's missing one thing. You know, like, it's going to happen. It happens all the time. It happens. Right? If the customer doesn't say anything, you can't fix that. Correct. But if the customer turns around and be like, oh, I'm missing my hash brown, you can get that straight away and it's no drama. Problem solved. Yeah. But then if, you know, if someone does miss something or they didn't get their juice or something like that, and then they get up to pay and they're like, oh, I didn't get this, this, and this, I'm like, well, should've you should have told me. I could have done it. I could have fixed it up. I could have fixed it for you. There's nothing I can do about it now. That's it, yeah. So but it's, it's a good way to look at it the way you the way you kind of look at the situation because I think, like you said, fix it at the time or yeah. what yeah, can we exactly. do now? So, um, and how, you obviously said you got married recently um, yeah. and then obviously lockdown happened, but how have you been able to maintain a kind of balanced lifestyle between relationship and f- like family and, and work? Oh, it's, had, it's had its moments. I think, I think we, we got married in, at the end of April just before Anzac Day went away, came back, and then within a month, we were into lockdown. And me living in Burwood Council, my brother living in Darlinghurst Council, he sort of stuck to that store. I was going in there once or twice a week, and I was just home. My wife was working from home, so I'd just hang out at home a lot of the time. I'd go for a drive, check out the stores, making sure everyone was doing the right thing. Now now it's starting to get a bit hectic, because I am working a lot more than probably what I used to. But at the same time, my, like my wife's very understanding. She helps us out all the time. She's like our super sub on the weekend. That's awesome. So yeah, it, you, it's you good. Sp- it helps. You like, spoke very highly of your wife and the support that she's there and she had yeah, to help out. How important do you need that partner? To, oh, it's massive. Like she's been there since day one. So she's rode the ups and downs with us from the beginning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so she sure. she understands everything that's going on um, along the way, and so too does you know my business partner's wife does all our bookkeeping and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. You know, we do have a strong sort of, can, like not like a strong backing from our families and all that yeah. sort of stuff. That helps. And, and during COVID, how did your business do as a whole? Like all four stores, was it okay? Oh, it was great. Yeah. yeah, I think the two the two new ones did struggle a little bit, but that's because they didn't have that um, that core customer and sort of because they were only open for I think like two three months. They didn't have that. Community. community yeah yet you know what I mean like they hadn't grabbed that yet which is understandable so they did struggle a little bit um, but at the same time they they were just able to make it work I think our, our build and our Darlinger store actually did really well because they had a very strong community base that would come in on the daily Uber Eats was unbelievable. High, de- high density so you'd have a lot of people yeah, walks, like, yeah it was it was pretty good I'm not gonna lie and then in terms of staff we we're doing it with two three people a day like it was very very controllable, very easy. Um, and then it sort of changed the way we do things as well so that when we did bounce back into the normal, you know, day-to-day, once we got out of lockdown, our takeaway component was a lot higher yeah. than what it used to be. Yeah. So we were doing much bigger numbers on once we returned from COVID yeah. due to that takeaway side of things because we really, like, we spent a lot of money on certain packaging and certain things to make sure that the customer, when they get the food, it's perfect, it's hot, it's sealed, it's not spilled, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, so I think that made a big difference as well as to why we are doing so much on Uber and takeaway during that time and why we still do that now, sort of thing. How, how important is, is Uber and these delivery services to our businesses? Oh, places that don't use it and like people that complain about it, I just, I don't understand because mm. fast, like that kept our business alive you know what I mean yeah. and it, it's still pumping now for yeah, Uber's yeah it's, it's wild what we do like the numbers we do on Uber now is it's ridiculous to what mm. like in comparison especially to what it used to be yeah, before sure. lockdown but I think the the 
it's the, the consumers changed as well. You know what I mean? People have realised how convenient and how easy it is. Yeah. So a lot of people still just stay home and order Uber Eats for breakfast. And you know, like if people want to do that, that's fine. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're still giving them the branded packaging. It still looks cool. Yeah. You, obviously, it, they don't want to leave the house. Yeah, exactly. COVID's kind of changing. Yeah. Right? So yeah, I, I think the power of if you're willing to put your prices up and you're willing to charge and the guest is willing to pay, yeah, there's no problem. Not right? that. Like we. Like I, I know a lot of places that do put their prices up, like a, a decent amount. We, I like I put my prices up a little bit, but not to the point where it's um, it's too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I put my prices up depending on each item, but it's more to cover like the packaging and that side of stuff as well. We've got a pretty decent profit margin on a lot of like a lot of our meals. You know what yeah. I mean? So for example, like the pancakes and that sort of stuff. I know. If I mm-hmm. even if I do lose thirty percent or whatever it is on that, I'm still making yeah decent money on it. You know what I mean? Well, so your, your, your wage cost doesn't change. Your overheads don't change. Exactly. So it's added. It's added income. Correct. It's, ex, yeah. it's, it's extra income that we wouldn't have if you're not on the platform. For sure. You know what I mean? So yeah, we like we like a lot of our packaging is expensive because we got those those specific bowls that you know and then the bottles for all the cold drinks and that like those bottles cost me 50 cents each yeah you know what I mean it's not like it's it's yeah, expensive it all adds up right yeah 100%. it all adds up yeah and um obviously like you said you spoke a little bit about um the rusty rabbit and, and the idea now is getting better before you get bigger right like yeah. that's there's yeah, no, sure. no more shops in the pipeline <laughs> not for now <laughs> <laughs> unless you want to get divorced huh? <laughs> no chance um what, what's something you want people to say about your venue after they've been they've visited I just, I, I, for me, it's about experience. So I want people to walk away and be like, that was great. You know what I mean? They, the service was great. I prefer people speak about our service more than the quality of how good the coffee was or, you know, how good the, mm-hmm. the food is. Like that sort of stuff, of course, like that, it has to be good still. It has to be good food. People have to be happy. But if someone comes in and they leave feeling happy and welcome and they had a good experience, that's more important to us. Yeah, it's that true hospitality, right? Yeah. Of, of making them feel special. So of course. What, um, what's a piece of technology in your business that you've implemented or you've had over the last few years that's been really good for your business? Uber Eats. We've like online ordering, online bookings, just streamlining all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So we have our own app now where people can essentially order ahead for pickup and then they get like rewards points and all that sort of stuff. So that helps um, booking systems all online, like through the website, all that sort of stuff. Massive that, yeah. On like our, the website, online store, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. merchandise now, instead of just selling in store, we can sell all over the world, really, which is mm-hmm. great. So that's really cool. Yeah. And, and to be successful in hospitality, obviously, there's different takes on what people think success is. But to be successful as an operator and have a business that's successful, what, what does it take? You got to be happy. You got to yeah. be happy in what you do. You know, and you got to love it. Um, and it takes a lot of hard work. That's for sure. A lot yeah. of time, a lot of energy. Um, yeah, it's yeah. But I think at the end of the day, you have to be happy. You have to have a balance as well, yeah. like a work-life balance. You can't just be all work, work, work. Like you got to be able to sort of Finding switch off and take that time. And you know. And and what are you most proud of out of all everything you've achieved since you started in hospitality? What are you most proud of? In in hospitality. Um, I'm I'm proud of the the brand that we've created to be honest like it it is well known and people the way people speak about our brand like not just its presence online but when they come in and you know they speak about it to other people that's what i'm most proud of that's cool and what's what's a piece of advice you've received from someone that's that's stuck with you oh that's a hard one I'm not sure. I, I can't really pinpoint it to a specific piece of advice, but it's more something like, like I said, that I've learned from other people yeah. in terms of looking after your customers and looking after your staff. I think it's probably one of the most important ones. Like the way my former bosses, Mario, Aggie, Joey, and the guys at Barber Scotty treated yeah. myself, my brother, when we were working for them. Like we wanted to do a great job for them. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. sort of what I like to. You know, for, for my team, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think looking after your team is most important. And if you can hold on to your staff, that's, it makes a massive difference. Yeah, you look after your staff and everything else takes care of yeah. itself, right? So, and is that, I mean, outside of that advice, if someone came up to you right now and said, hey, I want to open my own hospitality venue, what advice would you give them? 
Do your research first. <laughs> Good advice. Um, all right, so my final question um, is from obviously another podcast that I love, How I yep. Built This. And, he, and his final question is, how much of his success do you put down to hard work and how much to luck? Oh, probably like 70, 30. Because I think luck does play a big, big part of it. You know what I mean? It's a, lot of, a lot of it is about timing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we've, yeah, uh, it, like don't get me wrong, it, it's some hard, hard work. But, you know, like luck does have a big, yeah. you know, it's big balance, part of it. Having yeah. a balance between the two, so. Getting the right people through the door, you know, and you, you serving that specific person at that specific time mm. plays a big part of it as well. So, yeah. No, well, I mean, like I said, I, I, I've been following your journey for a while and, and obviously all your businesses do really well and you've Thank got you. a great brand presence. And I think I think it's it's funny, like, even though you're saying you've kind of slowed down, as, you know, f- to, to kind of figure out what you need to do next, but... I think this is just a start for you, man. It's very impressive to see what you've done and I, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks, man. Appreciate Thanks, brother. It. Appreciate it.